we're going to start a new study. Um, it's still part of our New Testament survey that we've been doing, but what we're going to do now over the next period of time is we're going to work through the epistles of Paul together and what that means, and we're going to look at those over the next period of time. Um, that word epistle comes from the uh, Greek word epistole, which means letter or message. So epistles were a form of written communication in, you know, a couple thousand years ago during New Testament times. And uh, many of the New Testament books um, were originally written as letters to churches or individuals, and they're referred to as epistles. So most of our New Testament, um, Paul is oftentimes writing back to a church where he's been, or where in, in Romans, where he hopes to go. But a lot of times he's writing back to churches that he's been, that he's planted, and he's telling them things that they need to do in order to continue to press on. He's dealing with problems as they arise. So um, an epistle would have been written on a scroll. Often it was dictated by the guys writing it, like uh, um, Peter, uh, he says that his, his letter was written down by Sil- Silas or Silvanius. Timothy um, acted as uh, uh, Paul's sort of secretary, if you would, for several of, the, uh, several of his letters. Tertius does Romans. So uh, these guys would be talking, and the other guy would be writing this stuff down on a scroll, and then at the end of it, the author would sign it saying, this is me speaking, um, and that's how they would sort of verify the letter. They, they, cert- they usually had a format. Most of Paul's letters begin with an introduction, says who he is, any of the associates he's got with him, mentions who he's writing to, gives a greeting, and then that whole thing is followed by the main body of the letter, and then they usually end with a general blessing, personal notes to people in the church. So you'll see that as we read through Paul's epistles in the process. Paul himself was an amazing guy. Uh, You know, I touched on Paul uh, as we rounded out Acts last week and um, the things that he'd been through and just, you know, briefly... He was born, his name was Saul, as Saul, A.D. 1 through 5, somewhere in that area. So he would have been in his late 20s, early 30s at the time of the crucifixion. And he sort of pops on the scene first as a, like a, basically a religious terrorist is how he arrives on the scene. He's killing people in a church, or he's at least consenting to it. Uh, so, so zealous is he for his ideals that he's persecuting the church. Uh, and that's how he sort of arrives on the scene. So he would have been late 20s, early 30s in that time. Uh, and, and then, you know, we said he had, he had been um, trained by Gamaliel. And uh, he, so he would have been a very learned guy, um, could speak many languages, uh, and very knowledgeable of the Scripture, the Old Testament Scripture, but made him very zealous. Um, he was there persecuting the church. He was there at the trial of Stephen and what took place there. He had letters after that to go out and to really just crack down on the church and to get them all arrested and thrown in prison where bad things would happen. And while he's in pursuit of that, in Acts chapter 9, he is, um, has a divine encounter with Jesus, resurrected Jesus, there on the Damascus Road, and his life is completely turned around from that time forward. And he becomes a, an amazing apostle, if you would, for the church, and uh, he did significant things. Uh, he quickly, after that, a few chapters and acts later, he becomes known as Paul, and um, Paul spends time in Arabia, Damascus, Jerusalem, Syria, uh, Cilicia, and then Barnabas had gone and got him, like I said, and brought him back to Antioch, where he 
really helped with that church significantly. And then he begins uh, his missionary journeys. The first one is in 40 A.D. Uh, he takes three missionary journeys. And um, while he's doing these journeys, as I said, he would go in to areas. He would preach to, he would take the word, the gospel to the Jewish people that were there. And so that they had a chance to accept it or reject it. Uh, he would often be speaking in the synagogues till they had enough of him. But at the synagogues, there was a, sorry, there's a giant Oreo cookie on that chair and it just distracted me. No, now that I know what it is, I'm okay. It's okay. I just was like, what in the world is that? Now I know and I'm good. So, uh, very funny for the people watching online later on, but well, you've you got to tell them why you're distracted. So, uh, uh, Paul would go into the synagogues, he'd preach, and in the synagogues there was a place for... Um, Gentiles who believed in the Jewish God, if you would. And so they would be there, and often they would hear and be interested in what Paul was saying. Some of the Jews would generally respond. Most would reject. They'd kick Paul out of the synagogue. He would go off with some of these other um, God-fearers and plant a church. And uh, he would do that until they ran him out of town. He would raise up leaders while he was there, usually in pretty quick fashion, he would have to see who the Holy Spirit was raising up. And, um, you know, these new leaders would only have what Paul had taught them to work on. And so he would give them the basics and say, okay, just teach the basics. I'll send some back to you eventually. But uh, you got enough in you. you got the basics. Give them the gospel. That's what you need to do. Don't get off course. Here you go. See you when I can. And then, of course, they would wander off pretty quickly. And he'd have to write back, say, why well, are you doing what you're doing? Stop it, you know, and straighten out. Here's what you need to be doing. And then he would send some of his guys around. And that's really how the church took off um, all over the, the, the world was Paul making these journeys. And then the people that he trained went out and they kept doing it. And that's been going on for 2,000 years. So Paul writes, um, and these are the letters we'll look at in, in our study, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, um, Philippians, First and Second Thessalonians, did I say that? First and Second Corinthians, Philemon, Ephesians, Colossians, First and Second Timothy, and Titus. Um, so those are the, the books that he's attributed to writing. For a long time, the church believed that he wrote Hebrews, but they, that's really not sort of accepted as fact anymore. So he died, um, they believe, a, a martyr's death in the mid to late 60s A.D. in Rome. So uh, it's amazing when you look at his life, you know, um, you can, what you learn from Paul's life is that God can reach down and save anybody. Uh, that's good news. No matter where you're at, yeah, I mean, he, you couldn't get much further away than Paul. That's why he's such a great example. He's actually killing the people that God wants him to minister to, and he meets Jesus and is changed. That's pretty significant. So if you ever think, if you ever think you meet somebody that's so far off that they can't be saved, it's not true. God, God is God, and He's bigger than all those things um, in the process. So God used him mightily in the process, and and. Uh, uh, God can, uh, anybody can also be a very humble and powerful witness for the Lord. Um, Paul was an amazingly humble person considering what he'd been through and who he was. And God used him mightily and he, he was never um, afraid to tell people the good news. One of my favorite stories about Paul, we'll make sure we get there. At one point, he's, uh, he's in a place they don't want him and they, they stone him. It's, it, you know, it's, it's like dead. And they drag him out of town and leave him for dead. 
And then he gets up and shakes that off, and he walks right back into that town and preaches some more. He wasn't done yet. And I just think, if it were me, that I would have taken the hint, right? First rock, I'm out. <laughs> but Paul's not like that, and he goes, has a great impact. And, and we don't know that he was actually dead. But to me, you know, at some point he has this trip up to heaven where he gets to see a lot of things. There's a time when it happens. We don't, but I often wonder if that wasn't the time, and, and he didn't, you know, God's obviously the God that can bring people back, and he wasn't done with Paul yet, and so back he goes. And we also learn that, you know, um, what it means to surrender fully to God. Paul was surrendered. He, he was like, I'm all in. I'm living this life for you, you know, to, to live as Christ, to die as gain. I'm yours. And he really did live like that, moving into situations, going to places where he was warned, if you go, bad things are going to happen. He goes, yeah, but the Spirit's telling me to go. It's just part of the deal. So pretty significant. All right. Uh, So Romans 1 identifies the author of the book um, of Romans as the Apostle Paul. And if you looked at Romans 16.22, you would see that that Paul uses uh, a man named Tertius to transcribe his words. So we just said that's what happened a lot of times. He's got to be talking. Somebody be writing this out on a scroll because that was a pretty big process, writing things on a scroll. They would go. Um, Romans was probably written around 56 to 58 A.D. Paul is writing in in advance uh, of his going to there. He wants to go and meet with them. Uh, He's heard about them. And uh, uh, he, uh, he had a heart for the Romans because he himself was a Roman citizen. So that was a big deal. Uh, and uh, he had not yet been able to visit the church in Rome. So you can sort of see Romans as kind of an introduction to them in the process. A um, lot of really important verses in Romans because Romans really has a lot of doctrine in it. And so it's a, it's a great book for us to sort of understand and know. But I think I put a lot of verses in your in your notes, because of the power that they have. Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Romans 3.9 and 11 through 11, uh, what shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. Romans 3.21, but now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and prophets testify. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin of death is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8, 9. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. We just looked at that verse last weekend. Romans eight twenty eight, one of my favorite verses. And we know that in all things... I've got to stop because I, I know I say that about all, like every verse I'm talking about. So, But I have a lot of favorites. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Romans 8, 37-39, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, 
Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10. See, a lot of these Romans verses you should have in you as sort of standards um, for the faith. Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 8.28, Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Romans 12, 1, a lot of you know this one. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Romans 12, 19, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Romans 16, 17, I urge you, brothers... Watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. So, Paul, very excited uh, about finally, he believes, could they get the opportunity to minister to the church in, in Rome? And uh, so, he, he wrote this, we believe, in Corinth just prior to his trip to Jerusalem to present to the church in Jerusalem the offering that he had taken up with these other churches. And uh, his intention was to go to Rome and then on to Spain. But um, he was arrested in Jerusalem and it kind of stopped the trip from happening. Uh, He would eventually go to Rome as a prisoner. And uh, uh, they believed that Phoebe uh, was the one who carried the church for him to the Romans. And, and so, as I said, the book of Romans primarily a, a, a work of doctrine, uh, and, and the big parts of it are about righteousness needed, righteousness provided, righteousness vindicated, and righteousness practiced. Uh, and so, from what I just told you were the main themes, um, the, the main ideas, the main theme of the letter is righteousness and what righteousness is all about. So, um, so Paul, gonna, he's going to launch in. He says a lot of hard things, Paul. Um, and he, he sort of makes these things about sin, which need to be made. Uh, and he wants to go to Rome and preach the Word of God and preach the truth. Uh, and, you know, his hope is when he gets there, they're, they're living well and living rightly. And uh, he, he makes the point when he starts that he's not ashamed of the gospel, so he's going to come bringing it. And uh, it's what they need to hear. Bring it! And... Uh, the, the, the book of Romans, really, it tells us uh, about God, who He is, what He's done. It tells us, you know, uh, uh, of Jesus and what He's all about and, and uh, what His death accomplished for us. It, it tells us about ourselves, what we were like without Christ and, and who we are after trusting in Him. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, it helps people understand, I think, that they don't need to get themselves straightened out first and then come to God. You know, a lot of people do that. They get this whole thing backwards. We'll probably touch on that this weekend. But they, they oh, I can't go to church until I get straightened up a little bit. And you're like, no, that's, that's not right. It's like anybody know anybody that has a gym membership? And you say, why do you have, you don't go to the gym, why do you go? You're like, i got to get in shape first before I go to the gym. There's people like that. Oh, I can't be seen like this at the gym. <laughs> and so they, 
It's, it's backwards thinking. And, and it happens sometimes at church. People have that idea. And Romans is good about saying, no, you, you come as you are. You're broken like everybody else. And then you come to Jesus and let the power of the Holy Spirit change you. Because uh, he's, he's the only one that can. Because Paul says, you know, why we were still sinners, Christ died for our sins. Why we were still sinners. Not after we'd cleaned up. Why we were still a mess. Uh, Paul will use a lot of Old Testament people and events and scripture. Throughout Romans, he talks about Abraham. Abraham believed and and righteousness was imputed to him by faith, not by his works. Uh, We'll be talking about some of that this weekend as well. And um, we're going to talk about the law and grace a little bit this weekend and how, unfortunately, sometimes people get confused and they think that because we're not under law, that that means we we sort of can get rid of the Old Testament, but they're missing out on the redemptive plan of God by not holding in tension all of the Scripture that's been inspired for us, old and new. Uh, And so um, so we need to take a look at how that works. We'll be doing that this weekend. Uh, So if if you're not here this weekend, that'll be Go Eat Popcorn Part four. You should watch that after I do it. Um, how uh, Paul uses Adam to explain uh, the, the, the doctrine of inherited sin, if you would, that, that because we're born in him, all of us have come into it that way. Uh, he uses the story of Sarah and Isaac, the child of promise, uh, in, in, what that, in the process. He, he recounts for us the history of the nation of Israel and uh, that God is, is still working with them in some measure. Uh, he, he tells us uh, about Gentiles being brought to salvation and what a big deal that is. Uh, in a practical way, Romans, you know, makes us know that there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. Um, the very best that we've ever done in our own strength is not even close to measuring up to what God would, would have for us. Uh, and and it, it's in our trespass, our, our deadness, that we find and experience the grace and mercy of God that can save us. And he expresses that grace by sending his son Jesus to die on the uh, cross in our place. Uh, and, and that when we turn our lives over to God in Christ, we're no longer controlled by our sin nature. We're now controlled by the Spirit. See, what people get confused here. See, and until you get to that point, you're, you're stuck. But once you come to know Jesus, now you have the Holy Spirit and you're empowered to do the right thing. You can still choose not to, but you can yield to the Holy Spirit and, and get set free from situations in your life. Um, some of them take a while. You've probably figured that out, right? Um, but some are like that. So, uh, and there's no... You know, everything's a process, and, and people go through it in different times, and the Spirit of God works in people in different ways, and that's His deal. But um, once we come to Christ, we have the power to change available to us, and we need to trust in Him because we're, we're no longer controlled by our sin nature. We're controlled by the Spirit. And uh, um, we, we know from Romans what it means to be saved, that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, we've, we've made that connection with Him. Um, from Romans 12, worship of Him should be our highest desire. Living for Him um, is what we're supposed to be doing. Not being ashamed of the gospel. 
It's a part of what we're called to. We, we talk about that here a lot. The good news, the gospel, what the gospel is. Most of you, I bet by now, could tell me where the verses are. If I did a poll about the best summary that I know of the gospel message is in, what book is it in? Anybody? First Corinthians, did anybody say it? What chapter? 15. What verses? Three, three and four. Okay. One through six, but three and four. You, you should know that. I have a wristband out there somewhere that has that on there. Just so you get it in you, because it's so important for us to understand what the gospel is, what the good news is. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose again. That's the heart of it. That's what people need to hear and respond to. They need to get to that point so that they can confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus did those things and rose from the dead. That's what changes everything. That's why it's so imperative that we know it. Okay, so um, we're going to pick it up there. I think next week we'll, we'll talk a little bit about something. Most of you probably heard the Romans Road of Salvation. And uh, I'll give you those verses. There's a series of verses in Romans that you can share with somebody if you get the opportunity that leads them to Jesus very nicely about why they're sinners and everybody has and what the outcome of that should be, but what he's done and gets them through the process. And, and so if you can, start reading through Romans uh, and just sort of be prepared as we go. We won't do it as slow as a chapter at a time. We'll actually hit it a lot harder than that. But start reading and um, see what you can come up with. And that'll be good. But that's enough for today. If you're watching on video, thanks for watching. God bless you. We'll see you soon.